All right, and we are live, ladies and gentlemen. Every once in a while, every so often, uh, the public gets a little bit more information about the role of the intelligence community as they played in undermining the Donald Trump administration at every turn. This week, we're going to attempt to organize as much of this information as possible to provide a sort of a bridged history of the Trump versus the deep state saga. From spying on the campaign all the way to the Mueller report, we have a lot to cover. We're going to be talking about all of this and more on episode 438 of the In the Tank podcast. Welcome to this leap day in this leap year. It's the In the Tank podcast. As always, I'm your host, Donald Kendall. I have a feeling this is going to be a very suppressed episode because of the topics that we choose to cover. But joining me for that uh, lovely episode, we've got Jim Likely, VP of the Heartland Institute. How are you doing today, good sir? I'm doing well, and I think you're right. Uh, it's a good thing Justin's not going to be here to see us destroy the channel. Uh, you know, but... Maybe because we're doing this on February 29th, a day that kind of all doesn't really exist. Maybe it'll fly under the radar. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, we will see. We will see. Also joining us, Chris Talgo. He's editorial director here at the Heartland Institute. How are you doing today, good sir? Well, Donnie, uh, it's been a week absent, so you know it's gonna it might take me a couple minutes to kind of get back in the groove here. But oh, uh, that's right. You know, Jim. James just he's trying to trigger me as always. But you know what? I'm untriggerable. Untriggerable. I'm untriggerable. Everything, everything he says, it just right off my shoulder. <laughs> Chris, untriggerable Talgo. That yeah. is what we call him around the office. Uh, gentlemen, we have a lot to get to. Um, like I said, we're going to do a, an abridged history of Trump versus the deep state saga. But even an abridged history is probably going to go longer than an hour. So we're going to get right into it but for those uh i put that message out there at the beginning of every episode for those audio mm -hmm. listeners primarily first off why don't you leave a review for us on itunes that'd be greatly appreciated you could also join the show on thursdays at noon central time where we are live streaming this on facebook and youtube and x and rumble and you could join the conversations throw your comments and questions in the chat maybe we'll show your comments on the screen maybe we'll address your questions on the fly you could support the show with our super chat functionality that we have enabled or you can support the show just by hitting that like button sharing this concept subscribing if you haven't already or just leaving a comment under the video all helps break through those big tech algorithms that prevent content like this from being shown to more people and like i said i feel like this episode particularly is going to tie some weights around our legs while we're swimming in this sea of content so uh you know do what you can to help the show it'd be greatly appreciated like I said, lots to get into. Uh, two weeks ago, we briefly talked about a story that was broken by Michael Schellenberger, uh, showing yet another angle to the story of how the establishment, the intelligence community, the deep state, however you choose to label it, had targeted Donald Trump in the lead up to the 2016 election. 
During the short segment, I mentioned how this was just one small piece of an overall story that we were kind of discussing in a vacuum, and that the full story in all of its context reveals a much more terrifying reality of how the government seems to operate. And then after the show, we were discussing this and decided that we should do an entire show based on discussing the full story in all of its context. So what we have for you today is what I'm calling an abridged history of the Trump versus deep state saga. Abridged because it's, you know, to be completely comprehensive, we would probably need a 12-part series. I mean, there's literal books written on these topics. Uh, so we're going to try to fit in as much as possible into an hour show. Probably going to go long, but hey, what are you going to do? So anyways, we, uh, we, we broke this abridged history into eight parts. Each of the parts are very interesting, but altogether, the sum of those parts will show that the establishment and the deep state were clearly out to destroy Trump's uh, chances at becoming president and then undermining his effectiveness when he eventually became president. Spoiler alert. So let's jump into... Oh, wait. No, actually, first... Comments before I jump into the first part. Any anything you want to say? Set the stage any further than I already did here, Jim or Chris? Well, are we gonna play the video that I brought into the show to set it up or not? <laughs> no, you know what? <laughs> yes, this video may or may not have anything to do with this podcast, but uh, yeah, let's go ahead and play good old Chucky Schumer. Is taking these shots this antagonism yep. is taunting to the intelligence community you, you take on the intelligence community they have six ways from sunday at getting back at you so even for a practical supposedly hard-nosed businessman he's being really dumb to do this what do you think the intelligence community would do if they were i don't know to? but i from what i am told they are very upset with how he has uh -oh. treated them and talked about them oh oh chuck schumer i mean that's just it's uh, i I feel like we could play that clip on every episode about any topic and just show you how corrupt and terrible, like the highest echelons of our like ruling class government, however you want to label it is for him to sit there and say that with a smirk on his face like that to me is just absolutely disgusting, but uh, uh, agreed. Okay. I mean, it's, it's the look on his face that really drives home how disgusting it is that the, that, you know, a sitting U.S. senator is supposed to be representing well, the people of New York, but also Americans, ordinary Americans. You're all representatives in government. You should be saying uh, it, it should be an outrage that just the idea, just the notion that the intelligence community would be trying to get back at somebody and somebody that's somebody being Donald Trump just because of some things he may have said. Um, we're supposed to have. <laughs> You know, we're supposed to have professionals uh, that are that are uh, have their efforts aimed at protecting the United States from foreign uh, enemies, not take not not uh, carrying out vendettas against a president that they don't like because orange man bad or something. Mm. And for Rachel Maddow, a journalist, allegedly, and a, a sitting U.S. senator to basically just it's a given. And it's they, they, there's almost an approval there with the smirk on Chuck Schumer's face that the intelligence community is going to be sicked upon. Donald Trump and everybody around him, which is exactly what ended up happening. And that's what the show is about, because, you know, guys, as we've talked about this off and on over the last well several years, every every couple of weeks or months. And now, thanks to um, uh, Michael Schellenberger and Matt Taibbi and uh, another journalist, Gutentag is his last name, I believe. The um, 
a little bit more information comes comes out in drips and drabs. You don't get it in the corporate the corrupt corporate media, of course. Uh, the corrupt the corrupt corporate media was complicit in the illegal uh, spying and destruction of Donald Trump and everybody around him. But uh, independent journalists, little by little, some some more information comes out, and it just struck us that it's just remarkable. It's it's amazing, and it's horrifying what has been done to Donald Trump, and he has been treated as a legitimate enemy of the state by our um, law enforcement and intelligence apparatus in the United States. And almost all actions they have taken against him and everyone around him are illegal, immoral, and of course, entirely unpunished. And so uh, I think we should at least talk about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Chris, I mean, that video, I really feel like kind of sums up, uh, <laughs> sums up this entire episode in just like, from the horse's mouth perspective, but uh, any any thoughts before we jump into phase one of the saga? Yeah. So when you and I were preparing, you know, the the research for this, you know, earlier this week, and we were, you know, going back through all this stuff, it just was a reminder of like how much was happening and how easy it was to get lost in it all. Yeah. And I think that this is a good exercise because it's going to remind people of all like the tentacles of this and how it wasn't just one thing or one person or one organization. It was like a, you know, just across the government uh, effort to do what, what they wanted to do, which we will get into depth on here. Yeah. Yeah. When we were, we were just rattling it off like two weeks ago after the episode, like, Oh, we could talk about this and that and this. And then uh, fast forward to earlier this week, like Chris was saying, we were going through, um, you know, just kind of compiling all the different items that we would want to talk about. It was like going down memory lane. We're like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. Oh, I remember that name. Oh, yeah. Do you remember when this happened? Like it was like because so much has gone on in just the past several years, like all of this has just kind of gotten like covered with the fog of time or whatever you call it. But we're going to dredge it all up and try to put it in a nice chronological order for all of us to talk about. So without further to do, let's jump Don, in. Donnie, I do need to say one thing. Oh, how Tr dare you? Trigger warning for our viewers. For our <laughs> viewers. Right. right. Remember, Chris is untriggerable. Yes. Step one, phase one, whatever you want to call it. The Five Eyes campaign. So with the release of the Schellenberger and Matt Taibbi report, we have a new origin story to this whole Trump-Russia collusion story. Prior to this report, uh, we were supposed to believe that all of these investigations and allegations relating to Trump's potential collusion with Russia stemmed from an Australian intelligence official saying that a Trump aide told an Australian diplomat that someone from Russia claimed to have some damning material on Hillary Clinton. Uh, that's that's supposedly where it all stemmed from. But now with this new release, we know that there's a step prior to that. So this new report shows that action by the intelligence community started well before this uh, this Australia matter. According to this report, quote, intelligence community, including the Central Intelligence Agency, illegally mobilized foreign intelligence agencies to target Trump advisors long before the summer of 2016. The United States intelligence community asked the Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance to surveil Trump's associates and share the intelligence they acquired with U.S. agencies, say sources close to the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence Investigation. The Five Eyes nations are the United States, the U.K., Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. 
So apparently as part of this campaign, 26 Trump associates were identified as targets for the five eyes. A source confirmed that the intelligence community identified them as people to bump or make contact with or manipulate. They were targets of our own uh, intelligence community and law uh, enforcement targets for collection and misinformation. So, Chris, let me know uh, what you think about this first item, what we got here. But to me, it uh, it seems like it, this this seems like like what do they call it? Like a dragnet operation or like a like a fishing expedition or just yes. like, yeah, just go out, see if you can find anything. What do you think it, about this? It, that's exactly what it was. It was a, it was a fishing expedition. They didn't have a prior uh you know, crime or an alleged crime to investigate. It was, we want to search for a crime. That is, that is, you know, Soviet stuff. That is Nazi Germany stuff. It's find me the man and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll find the crime, not the other way around. So to me that like the fact that this was all began on, on that makes the entire thing, uh, you know, very suspicious. Um, but it also goes to show that they were, you know, that they, they had an agenda uh, well before Donald Trump uh, was, you know, won won the election and became president of the United States. This is this is all happening uh, during the primary season in uh, 2016. So they were they were doing this, you know, well in advance of uh, Donald Trump actually becoming president, which to me is another humongous uh, side of this story that is not getting nearly enough attention because Donald Trump at that time was a private citizen who happened to be running for president, and the people that they were trying to quote unquote bump were also private citizens who were just doing their duty, you know, in some form or fashion working for the Trump campaign. So this was not, you know, this was not the uh, intelligence agencies going after, you know, people who are already in the government, which would be bad enough. This is the uh, intelligence agencies saying we, we, for whatever reason, deem these people a future threat. And therefore we're going to try to prevent them from even attaining office. That is like that is the story of the century. I think just that alone, it hasn't gotten any attention. The mainstream media completely ignored this. Thankfully, you know, there's, you know, some media who are still talking about this, you know, right here. But, you know, I think uh, the, the the very predicate was was, you know, just so suspicious from the very beginning. Right. Yeah, Jim. I mean, we were led to believe at the beginning of all of this that, oh, there was a little bit of smoke with this Australian diplomat that said this or that. Somebody claimed, you know, Russia had information on a political opponent. So therefore, everything stemmed from that. But now with this with this new story, it's like there there was nothing like it was just all of this, you know, wh whether you want to call it a witch hunt or just like an investigation, all of it just was just made up out of whole cloth. Like they just they just were. It wasn't that they saw a little bit of smoke. It was that they were just looking for anything that could be construed as smoke. What are your thoughts on this? First, well, They were trying to create smoke. Mm. Right. Um, you know, let, let's remember as the reporting um, from the publication and I'm, people should subscribe to it called public uh, Michael Schellenberger, Matt Taibbi and Alex Gutentag are the ones who wrote this story that the CIA had foreign allies spy on Trump team triggering the Russia collusion hoax. So, let's make sure that we understand what's going on here. Uh, James or uh, John Brennan, the head of the CIA is calling around to the other spy agencies about uh, for our allies, not because there is a terrorist threat to uh, any of the five eyes countries 
from a foreign agent or a foreign organization like Al-Qaeda or something like that? No. He calls up these agencies to try to, to entrap, really, and, then, and manipulate and make contact with 26 people around the Trump administration, uh, the Trump, I guess it was the campaign, the Trump campaign, before the summer of 2016. So basically, about the time he had secured the uh, Republican nomination, uh, our CIA is reaching out to these other agencies to basically spy on and trap uh, who knows what, but certainly the word, the term is bump and manipulate these, these innocent Americans who have done nothing. It should go without saying that that is a crime. That is, that is, you are not allowed to do that. You should, the, the CIA is forbidden by law from spying on American citizens. It's a foreign uh, spy agency, not a domestic one. We don't have a domestic, well, <laughs> we do, but we're not supposed to have a domestic spy agency in the United States because that would be a a vital, it would be a existential threat to our liberty to have something like that in the United States. Well, apparently we do have that. And let's also back this up one more step. And remember, do you think John Brennan is calling the other spy agencies around the, around the world without Barack Obama knowing about it? Hmm. No way. And in fact, you would have to do something like that under the direction of the president. In other words, being asked by the president to do this. There is no way that these are just rogue heads of our agencies doing these things on their own initiative. Barack Obama was behind this from the very start. And again, with our corrupt media, not a single person has ever asked him one question about any of this and his involvement in violating the civil liberties of innocent Americans because of a political vendetta against Donald Trump. And that's where I think it all comes back to. And people should really remember that, that the same Barack Obama, who's basically um, a ghost president in his third term right now with um, with Joe Biden in office um, was behind these grave abuses of our liberty. And they're all getting away with it. This is the thing that really infuriates me and, and kind of triggers me on these things mm-hmm. um, as I was writing it down. You know, none of the people that have perpetuated and committed these crimes against their country and American citizens have paid a price for any of it. All of them uh, are, are not just not punished, they're rewarded. They are in cushy jobs now. They've gotten book deals. Um, they may have had to testify in front of Congress and um, you know, f- allow some Republican members of Congress to do a little showboating, but mm. that's it. None, nobody's, not a single person has paid the price. Meanwhile, supporters of the president of uh, President Trump are still rotting in jails for, for committing no crimes at all. Uh, it, it's, it's, it could be very frustrating. I was on a podcast yesterday in Canada and I was trying to, he wanted to uh, plug me for like kind of how uh, Americans feel about their country right now. Um, and I had to say, I think a lot of Americans don't feel very good about their country right now because they see a country that they don't recognize. And as we're going to go through in this podcast, um, we are, we are living in a, there's, there's, a, there are tyrannical forces at work in this country right now operating with impunity. And I guess maybe the first uh, step to stopping that is to talk about it and to get people to know what's happening so that maybe one day we can get this fixed because, frankly, our country itself is at stake. You know, Donnie, I just want to add one other quick thing. Um, The CIA has limited resources. So if they're using these limited resources to go after, uh, you know, Trump campaign aides, that means that they're not going after actual threats to the U.S. government. So to me, that's one of the the also uh, underreported aspects of this is that we diverted uh, resources. It wasn't just the CIA, as we'll talk about later. It was the NSA, it was the FBI, 
all the alphabet soup agencies to go after a bunch of American citizens who were associated with the Trump campaign. Meanwhile, that meant that terrorists, that meant that, you know, other foreign threats were not being uh, watched as they should have been. So got to make sure that we remember that because the CIA does have limited resources. Yeah, and uh, just a comment from James Miller, the Donald for president. I'm flattered, but I am not throwing my hat in the ring this this time around. Maybe in four years, we'll see how everything plays out. But thank you, James, for the support on that one. Um, so let's uh, let's move on to point two, phase two, step two. I don't know. I'll figure it out by the end. This is uh, this one's gonna feel like a flash from the past, but we need to talk about the Steel dossier and Fusion GPS. Probably words that haven't been spoken in that order for a couple of years now. But back in April of 2016, the Clinton campaign and the DNC ramped up their opposition research into their opponent for the upcoming general election, Donald Trump. Clinton and uh, the DNC hired Fusion GPS to do this research. Fusion GPS subcontracted former British intelligence officer Christopher Steele to gather in uh, intelligence. Steele put together a dossier that outlined outlined a whole series of different allegations into misconduct, allegations of uh, collusion between Trump's campaign and the Russian government, allegations of Russia having potentially compromising information on Trump. So this Steele dossier has some very important implications later, um, but just on this point by itself, Chris, uh, do you have anything that you want to uh, talk about here? Yeah. So you you said that it was created uh, in an attempt to drum up uh, opposite research. No, it wasn't. It was actually created to to create out of a uh, whole cloth blatant lies about mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton's uh, opponent in the 2016 election, because as we know, Everything in that report was just completely made up. It was gossip. It was bar talk. It was it was not actual, you know, backed up with, you know, evidence. And uh, and, and, you know, this was all hearsay. So the fact that the Clinton uh, campaign and Fusion GPS ran with this, knowing that it was just a bunch of, you know, just made up stuff. It, it just still boggles my mind that 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 that, that you know, got to the to the uh places you know within the u.s government that it did i mean they should have immediately said this is this is ridiculous this is laughable there's no evidence of this there's nothing to support this yet as we will talk about later the this was the foundation for russia collusion and all the other things so this to me is 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 like the the original sin in some ways because the intelligence uh agents in the united states government whether it's FBI, NSA, CIA, all of them knew that this guy was just making this stuff up, yet they used this as their basis for FISA warrants, for internal spying and all sorts of you know uh, law-breaking, knowing full well that this was a bunk report, that it was bogus. Right. Yeah, Jim, this is, I think this Fusion GPS uh, um, steel dossier, we're going to be talking about this a lot um, in the next couple of levels of this whole mess but uh i mean yeah this is just this whole foundation it seems like is just built on like this really paper thin dossier filled with just i mean talk about misinformation but uh any any thoughts on this report in particular well i mean everybody with a brain even you know knew that the steel dossier was bullshit um and it was it was it was not credible at all but it was used as the foundation to uh, commit fraud upon the FISA courts 
to uh, obtain warrants to put a, a patina of legality over the domestic spying that was going on um, in the United States as this as this moved along, aside from the fact, aside from the Five Eyes thing, which which was the real breaking story that Schellenberger at all had uh, broken a few a few weeks ago. But what what I find amusing, if people go into the show notes, um, you know, you see that we have a story here from uh, November eighteenth, twenty twenty one, from CNN of all places, and. Uh, <laughs> it just says legitimate questions are now being raised about the dossier. Oh, <laughs> really? It, it took until 2021. And so, so you really believe that. But I had to laugh at um, there's a there's a paragraph here that says Trump swiftly rejected Steele's claims and said, quote, a group of opponents put that crap together, unquote. CNN reports here nearly five years later, it's clearer than ever that he wasn't too far off of the origins of the dossier. Well, no kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, everybody that was paying attention to this knew that. In fact, even our, uh, even the even the high level uh, members of our government and uh, the Justice Department committing fraud upon the FISA court knew this was also um, uh, cooked up and, and BS. But they were just so determined to get Trump and everybody around him and to take them out. I mean, it's just really remarkable. And I'm just going to say this now before I forget to say it later. Um, one of the amazing things about this entire scandal and any one of these uh, that we have little uh, title cards for, any one of the eight things that we're going to be talking about today itself is is, it a, is it a, an immense scandal and really should cause people to go to jail. It, mm -hmm. should, um, it should have been an impeachable offense against uh, Barack Obama, to be honest. Uh, talk about abuse of power. This is just really uh, on a scale that we that we just didn't think ever happened in this country. But time and again, this is what's really troubling. Nobody in the room, when these discussions were being made and these decisions were being made to illegally sick the Justice Department and our spy agencies on innocent American citizens, not it, apparently not one person in the room said, hey, guys, are you sure we should be doing this? This right. seems a little sketchy. These people didn't do anything wrong. Nobody was the voice of reason. Nobody was there defending the, the innocence and the liberty of the American people. The rot in our uh, in, a, in the deep state runs very deep, and it's very dangerous when that rot is in such powerful organizations like the CIA and the FBI and the Department of Justice, who can get into the business of absolutely ruining people's lives, destroying mm -hmm. their careers, destroying their families, destroying their any wealth that they may have accumulated, and the fact that that power is wielded with no regard for the law, no regard for morals, no regard for ethics. Um, no regard for any of that, just to take it out on somebody who you think is a political enemy. Um, heads should roll. People should be fired and people should be in jail. And those people are not people who showed up at the Capitol uh, one January afternoon. They should be the people that were up running and operating the deep state um, and that was abused and uh, against the American people. Hey, Daniel, let me just add a couple of things on, on to this uh, aspect of the story. Um, so the Steele dossier uh, is, I think, a great example of just how disgusting and sleazy politics is. Because remember, this was really the Hillary Clinton tr uh, campaign trying to uh, tar and feather Donald Trump, her political opponent. Let's also remember that Hillary Clinton was responsible for the whole, you know, Barack Obama not being born in the USA, Kenya thing, because that was during the Democrat primary in uh, 2008 that all, all that kind of stuff happened. So this this to me is just so symbolic of how disgusting and you know, just just divisive and, you know, just 
gross, you know, uh, modern politics is. Uh, but it also, I think, goes to show how biased and how rotten, like Jim said, uh, these these uh, institutions are, whether it's the FBI, the CIA or the NSA. It's the people at the top who are doing this. And it's the people at the bottom who are, uh, you know, who are the ones who are saying, I you know, don't think this is the right thing to do. But they get clobbered in the process. There have been a bunch of whistleblowers, you know, from FBI and from other uh, organizations who came out, you know, while this was happening and even in the years afterwards saying, hey, this was terrible. We thought this was terrible, but their lives were ruined. So it just goes to show that if you go up against the higher ups, you know, you you're you're, you're playing with fire and you're going to get you know, you're going to get burned. Yeah, so this, uh, I think we've set up kind of the foundation of all of this. Uh, now we're going to get into the meat of it. So phase three of this whole saga uh, is something that, again, will remind you of something that you've heard of a long time ago. Operation Crossfire Hurricane. So in July of 2016, just months before the election, the FBI begins Operation Crossfire Hurricane the most insane sounding code name for an investigation I have ever heard of operation crossfire hurricane, the FBI's counterintelligence investigation into potential links between associates of Donald Trump's 2016 presidential campaign and Russian officials was initiated based on information obtained by Australian officials. As we are so told, uh, this was spurred by the Trump aide now revealed to be George Papadopoulos telling the Australian diplomat about potential dirt on Hillary Clinton from Russia. That That's the story that we were told. Despite the perceived justification for the investigation, though, it, it's probably not the best look for a presidential candidate to have an active FBI investigation going on in the lead up to the election. I mean, this just seemed like a, a big weight tied around the neck of his uh, uh, of his campaign in the lead up to 2016. So what do you have to say about this one, Chris? Operation Crossfire Hurricane. Yeah, so this is this is where I, I think what Jim was alluding to earlier about the Barack Obama role in this, uh, Vice President Joe Biden role in this, Samantha Power, all those Loretta Lynch, Sally Yates. This is where th this is where like the planning, you know, really came into play. We know that there were a bunch of meetings at the White House about this. We know that John Brennan and, and Moore were present at those meetings. We know that Joe Biden was present at those meetings. This did not just happen in a vacuum. This did not just happen, you know, with John Brennan and his pals over the CIA saying, hey, let's go and do this. This had to have the express approval of the president of the United States at the time, who was Barack Obama. So this to me shows how 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 high up this went and how you know, how totally rotten the US federal government is because you have a sitting president saying, mm. Wow, my, you know, uh, we want Hillary Clinton to win uh, the 2016 election. Therefore, we are going to go out of our way to ruin the reputation of her, you know, of her opponent. And not only ruin the reputation of her opponent, but literally ruin the lives of a bunch of low level people who were involved in the Trump campaign, which I'm sure we'll get into more greater depth later, whether it be Carter Page or George Papadopoulos, you know, there's a bunch of people, their lives were ruined because of this. So this, you know, to me is, is just really disgusting. And if you're telling me that Barack Obama and these people, whether it's John Brennan at the CIA or James Comey, who was in charge of the FBI at the time, did not know that this was all a bunch of BS then I, I then I'm I am shocked at how stupid and naive they are because I I think anyone with you know a brain and you know two eyes says of course they knew that this was all a bunch of BS 
but they went along with it anyways. And then they kept doubling down on it too, because the FBI kept going back and using this as the justification to get more FISA warrants, which last time I checked, FISA warrants were only supposed to be used against potential terror targets, you know, uh, abroad, uh, plotting terrorism against the United States. So, you know, this just goes to show really just how, how twisted these agencies have become and also how they can now be uh, used against uh, American citizens, which when uh, after 9-11, Patriot Act was passed. I remember people were saying, whoa, what if this does get used against American citizens? And they were saying that will never happen. You have nothing to worry about. Well, here we are less than, you know, 20 years later and it's being used against American citizens. So we, we I, I think this also shows that we need to go back and uh, readdress some of those laws that were passed in the heyday, uh, you know, in those, those, you know, after 9-11, in which we were, I think, a little too much on the side of let's grow the national intelligence agencies and let's grow Homeland Security and all this stuff. And maybe it's time to kind of, you know, go in and put that back into, uh, into check. Uh, Jim, I mean, come on, man. This is just an investigation. If you got nothing to hide, why are you worried about an investigation? <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we should remember um, that, you know, John Durham, the special counsel, who is the only remotely independent person to look at all of this, uh, the whole Russia collusion hoax, um, his big takeaway was that the FBI never had any justification at all for any investigation of this kind against anybody in the Trump administration. There was no predicate. There was no there was no solid evidence. And in fact, as what we learn as we go through all of this, you know, all of these stories and all of this history is that any evidence, if you could even call it that, of, of any of these alleged crimes were basically planted by the by the CIA or, or manufactured by by uh, uh, the FBI and the CIA and the Department of Justice or just completely fabricated. I mean, the uh, the deal with, you know, with Papadopoulos, th this is actually one thing we can move on to the next one. But as Chris was talking I'm scrolling through the story and I see here a picture of, of George Papadopoulos from uh, years ago when he was leaving a U.S. district court after a sentencing hearing, sentencing for, uh, I forget the crime that he was convicted of, but obviously he didn't commit crimes. Um, but I, just, just for the sake of argument, let's just say that George Papadopoulos and Carter Page were actually attempting to so-called collude with the Russians to influence the, the 2016 election. Um, how exactly would those two low-level nobodies be able to pull that off? <laughs> I mean, I'm being serious. Hmm. Um, the, just the, the it's absurd on its face that you know some Carter Page was like uh, is like a nerd, and he was actually a CIA asset, which again was not was, was not revealed to the FISA court when um, uh, when they supposedly said he's in contact with foreign agents that are enemies of the United States. Like, yeah, because he was working for the CIA, you dummy. But they knew that, of course. And if they told the FISA court that, they wouldn't have gotten the warrant to spy on him. So they left that information out. That's a crime. The person who did that, I think, got a suspended sentence of a misdemeanor for doing that. I think it was mm. that Kevin Kleinsmith guy. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, but but again, back to it. It's like, how exactly were these two clowns? And no offense to them. They're good guys. But, you know, you would think this way. How are these two guys going to be able to influence the 20 election colluding with Russia? How is that supposed to work out? How is that supposed to happen? And again, Nobody in our government asked that obvious question because they didn't want the answer to it because the, they, they, this was actually a not, not a legitimate actual investigation of a foreign uh, country trying to influence our elections.
It was an it was an investigation to frame people for crimes they didn't commit so they could damage the Trump administration with ultimately the the idea was to get Trump himself. You know, if you get enough lower people guy, I mean, this is this is basic cop stuff. You get the lower people, you you invent crimes they didn't commit, threaten them with years and years in federal prison so that they will roll and they keep rolling until you get all the way to the top. Exactly. That's, that, that was the strategy here. That's what this was all about. Um, and, you know, they haven't quite gotten to him yet. But as we get to the end of this podcast, we're going to see they're almost there, it seems. Uh, yeah. And, but- and, and, well, Danny, just re- real quick, you know, they were also uh, making just making stuff up like the the Trump uh, connection with Alpha Bank. And also they were um, uh, wiretapping uh, Trump Tower where his campaign was you know, headquartered at the time. They were they were wiretapping the the campaign of their political opponent. I mean, I just let that sink in for a second. Mm-hmm. The sitting president and the administration want Hillary Clinton to you know become the next president. So they say, well, we'll just use a bunch of the tools at our disposal to to try to you know ruin the 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 prospects of uh, the Donald Trump you know campaign. It's just please like just let that sink in. That actually happened. It's this is not a movie, guys. This is real life. This yeah. happened. Right, right. Yeah. And and Jim, you mentioned the Durham investigation that uh, was looking into all of this sort of stuff in the aftermath of it. And uh, yeah, they concluded that the FBI should never have opened this investigation to the alleged collusion of then presidential candidate Donald Trump and Russia in late July of 2016. It says Durham concluded that the FBI investigation was, quote, seriously flawed and had no basis in evidence. And additionally, in response to the Durham investigation conclusions, the FBI said that it had, quote, implemented dozen of corrective actions since the improper probe of Donald Trump. And that, quote, the missteps identified in the report could have been prevented and that the reforms uh, been in place since 2016 um, you know, so you know, we'll, we'll make sure that it doesn't happen again. So it's not just the Durham investigation that's saying this. Uh, the FBI admitted that they uh, were in the wrong and that they were taking steps to make sure this doesn't happen again. Sure, I'm going to believe them. But I mean, like, I feel like that is a very important point. You know, if it was like Durham investigation says all of this is bad and the FBI is like, no, what are you talking about? All of this was completely above board. Then it's just open to debate and which side you want to believe. But this it shows the FBI was like, yeah, yep, sorry, we're wrong. You know, no harm, no foul, right? Um, all right, let's go on to step. Wait, wait, tiny, tiny. Just one, one other quick thing on, on this one because this is this is very, I think, super important. Uh, the the FBI, especially you know, after Comey was fired, Christopher Ray, uh, Ray was eventually brought in to replace them. And you know, I think that most Americans thought, okay, they're going to be there's going to be a big house cleaning, like there are going to be like fundamental changes in process. None of that has happened. Like Jim said, I mean, a couple people got a teeny little slap on the wrist. But there has not been any accountability at the FBI since, you know, this scandal broke. And to me, that's super scary because that means that they're probably still doing all this stuff. Right. And I mean, you, you know, just, just look at how the FBI has handled the uh, different uh, investigations into the document stuff. I mean, just there are so many you know, ways in which we, we can show that this is still happening to this day. So that to me is really, really scary. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. All right, let's move on. Step four, phase four, whatever you want to call it. FISA warrant abuse. So uh, we kind of already talked about this a little bit because all of these things kind of bleed into each other a little bit. 
but the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act system was abused by the intelligence community to spy on Donald Trump associates, namely Carter Page, a former uh, foreign policy advisor for the Trump campaign. The FBI relied on the Steele dossier to obtain the FISA warrants. Oh, and guess what? The information in regards to who funded the dossier whether it's uh, the DNC or the Hillary Clinton campaign, was not disclosed when applying for this warrant. So, Chris, uh, like I said, I know that we already kind of touched on this a couple of times throughout the discussion so far, but any further comments on this aspect of the story? Yeah, going forward, I think that the American people have to uh, make sure that this does not happen again. And I really hope that uh, future Congress... I don't think this Congress would do anything, anything about it, especially with, you know, Chuck Schumer in the charge of the Senate uh, has to reform FISA. It, it has to be reformed. We can never let this happen again. We can never let the FBI and intelligence intelligence agencies uh, use their, you know, their vast powers to go and just start searching and looking for anything that they could possibly get on an American citizen. Don, I mean, this, this could happen to any of us. This could happen to any sure. of us here at Darlene Institute. It could happen to anyone watching this show. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I, I think the American people need to, you know, really take this seriously. And this needs to be one of the major uh, reforms, you know, going forward to our criminal justice system uh, in the United States. Yeah, Jim, I mean, we're kind of, uh, for the sake of the the abridged history aspect, trying to fit as much of this stuff into an hour as possible. We really only are focusing on like the intelligence community and their role in all of this, but like we could expand it out in any number of ways. One being the media and the role that the media played in all of this, carrying water for any aspect of this story at any given time, not really asking any of the critical questions at all, but, but the role in the media also plays into this specific part of the story because there was a story about how, um, and I'm probably getting a little bit of the details wrong on this, but the gist of it's correct, that the FBI needed multiple sources to justify these FISA warrants. Uh, so they, you know, they, they use the steel dossier as one uh, uh, source for this. But to get another one, they leaked the steel dossier to like a Yahoo News reporter who then published a piece on aspects of the Steele dossier. And then the FBI used the dossier and then that Yahoo uh, news article about it as their multiple sources. Right. So it just shows you that like, even if there are certain like things, well, no, we got to make sure that you have, uh, you know, you, you got to check all the boxes, make sure you have multiple sources. It's just like, eh, we'll just make it all up. How about that? How about we just make it all up? We'll hide certain information about it. We'll have people in the media that are loyal to us kind of carry the, uh, the burden. And then, uh, you know, we'll just get what we want at the end. What are your thoughts on this part of the story? Yeah. Well, you know, what do you call that? Sock puppetry is what's going on there sure. uh, where you just basically set up your own, you know, and that's, it's dishonest and it's, and it's fake. And again, the person who did that, the person who approved doing something like that to, to uh, just give it a, a the thin veneer of uh, legitimacy uh, should be fired and arrested and charged with crimes and put in jail uh, because that is a grave abuse of the liberty of innocent Americans. In our show notes, we have a story titled, or it's an editorial at the Wall Street Journal, uh, how FISA shields FBI abuses. And, uh, you know, on top of the the um, uh, the Durham report, um, it's, it's this from a year ago, says a newly unsealed court document reveals that the FBI conducted thousands of improper searches on American citizens. 
under Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, uh, FISA, FISA courts. And so judges, the idea was to, is that you would, adjust, you know, if, uh, you know, to protect us from another 9-11, our FBI should be able to, you know, try to gather intelligence from foreign threats um, to the to the to the nation, but they should be checked by the courts. A judge would have to sign off on it, just to make sure, because it would have obviously involved domestics, Americans that are involved in this, and so a judge would have to sign off on it. And you have to show that um, the warrant that you're getting to to secretly spy on an American citizen is warranted by is warranted by threats to the to the nation, or that it's very clear that. Um, crimes are being committed. But this report found that uh, the FBI conducted 278,000 warrantless searches on U.S. citizens. Mm. Just, I mean, just let that sink in. I mean, the FISA courts have not been around for, for 40 years. They've been, it's a relatively new invention of our government. But 278,000 warrantless searches on U.S. citizens? Wow. That's gobsmacking. Hey. That, that that that's we don't you don't live in a free country. You live you live in a country that has a Stasi or a KGB when that kind of stuff is going on. And again, all of this was justified because orange man bad. We have to keep this guy out of the White House. And if he gets into the White House, if if somehow uh, he is sworn in, we have to do everything we can to destroy him as quickly as possible and everybody around him. And and all of this abuse of power was to that end. It you know kind of makes you wonder. Is it really? Is he really that bad? Is <laughs> would Trump is the Trump presidency that much of a threat to the establishment, to the deep state, to the permanent government and, and ruling class in Washington? Yes. Apparently so. And in that, in my mind, that makes a good reason to vote for him <laughs> because this system needs to be broken. If they're that worried, if they're that panicked that they commit these levels of abuses of our constitutional rights and crimes to to try to stop him, uh, you know they're scared and maybe that's a good thing opinions expressed during this podcast are solely of the people that said them and not of the heartland institute in general go ahead chris yeah so uh the fisa courts have become a modern day star chamber and they need to be changed you know like completely okay so that's one thing also remember a couple of years ago when james clapper was in front of uh u.s congress and they asked him uh were you what was uh your agency cia uh, uh taking in uh, Americans, uh, text messages and, and, uh, phone calls and emails and all that stuff. Was it all being vacuumed up and collected? He flat out lied. And then he, but then he, but then he did say unwittingly, which is, mm. you know, like the, 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 the get out of jail Whoops. free card, you know? So, so, so what I'm saying is, is that this, this has been happening for many years. First, they were vacuuming up all of our communications. That's bad enough. But then for them to go and search in that just you know, to try to find, you know, people that they, deemed a threat for whatever reason is even scarier. But I also, Donnie, just real quick, want to go back to what you guys were talking about with like the media reaction to this. Mm -hmm. When you played that um, Chuck Schumer video at the very beginning of this, you know, if Rachel Maddow was a journalist, you know what she would have said? Sir, I cannot believe you're saying this right now. Are you telling me that the, that the uh, national uh, security agencies and intelligence agencies would actually like go after like someone like she should have like, like blown yeah. her, like a blown a gasket there. Of right. course she didn't because there was, you know, politics at play, but also, and, and I'm, I'm sure Jim remembers this McCabe struck all these people, uh, in, including, uh, uh, Clapper and, uh, John Brennan, guess where they all work now, CNN, 
They're paid. No, Donnie, I, I'm in Jim. You know this. I mean, they, yep. they are paid pundits for CNN. And here's what's most frustrating about that. Do, when all this stuff was being, you know, uh, dragged through the media and, you know, CNN, of course, they had to report on it, but they didn't really want to report on it. Guess who they had defending that, defending themselves? These guys. Right. So they never went and tried to say, okay, let's get both sides of the story. No, no, no. I remember watching this stuff with my you know, jaw on the floor saying, I cannot believe this is happening right now. Because you had Peter Strzok, you had McCabe, you had Clapper, and you had Brennan saying everything that Fox is saying and everything that the mainstream media is saying is just complete bunk. Don't believe any of it. Trust us. Right. And, and you know, and, and for the vast majority of Americans, unfortunately, that message got through. And, you know, that's why it's so frustrating. And, Jim, I know you feel this because you, we've talked about this so much. Here we are eight years later, and we're still, like, trying to be like, everybody, look. Look at all this evidence. Like, it's right in front of you. And the mainstream media is still, that's some crazy conspiracy theory. And it's, mm -hmm. that's what's just so incredibly frustrating. It's all there. We have right. it. It's like, it's a, come on, guys. Go do, do, do your job. Dig into this stuff. This yeah. is the story of a century right here. No, yeah, we're I, not interested in that. Sorry. After I finished putting my notes together for this, I was just scrolling through like the pages and pages I have. And I was just like, how is this? How is this like forgotten about already? Well, you know, and, and also when we were in your office doing the research, do you remember how we would we would type in like 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 a search term into Google and then it would be like. 20 stories all been like hoax like like this never happened like oh this, yeah you know? I'll, I'll get to one like, of those yeah then it's like okay page two page three then it's like oh finally it's like the new york post story comes up so that just goes to show big tech it's like it it, it is so set like systemic it is so widespread that it, it, it's amazing to me that the amount of people do hear about this you know th that that do however it's always years after the fact well after the uh, statutes of limitations of all this stuff have, you know, have go gone into effect. And, you know, like, like Jim said, these people are, are rewarded. They are rewarded right. for, 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 you know, doing what they did. It, it, it's God. The more, the more you bring it up, the more Donnie, I'm being triggered. I think. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> We're going to have to change your nickname. Yeah. And uh, another thing, and I'm sure we could have kind of like a recap, just like our, our kind of takeaways at the end of the episode here, but uh but like any any like even perceived slap on the wrist, uh, they're not going to do anything to change the system. Like we know that there's no structural changes to any of this that happened. All it's going to do is make these people better at kind of hiding their tracks. Like yep. when they do this another time for anyone else that has the goal to try to take on the deep state in any capacity. But anyways, let's get to phase five. I'm just going to start calling them phases. That's what I'm landing on. Phase five. The insurance plan. So during one of the investigations into the handling of the Trump-Russia allegations, we were provided with some insight into the mindsets of some of the people at the FBI. Eventually released were a series of text messages between senior FBI agent Peter Strzok and FBI Laura uh, lawyer Lisa Page. So Peter Strzok, who helped launch the initial probe into Trump, was having a um, a bit of an affair with Lisa Page. And perhaps because of this little relationship, 
he texted some pretty candid takes on on Trump during this whole year's long process. The f- most famous of these messages was one that was in regards to a reference to an insurance policy that many took as an insinuation that there was some sort of contingency plan uh, to be used if the investigation of Trump, uh, you know, didn't completely undermine him and prevent him from being president. So uh, I've, I've got some other things to say on this, but but Chris, your thoughts on this uh, this insinuation of an insurance plan policy, whatever they called it, and uh, what this kind of means for the mindset of the people that were really at the helms of all of this Trump-Russia collusion investigation stuff. Well, this proves exactly what we were just talking about, because when we were trying to Google search like Peter Strzok, Lisa Page text chain, Peter Strzok, Lisa uh, Page insurance policy, it took us how many like times and how like how long, maybe like 15 minutes, literally, yeah. to, just, to just find this. <laughs> that should have that come up as our first search result right off the bat. Exactly. So it, goes, it just goes to show how, how much this has all been buried. Um, you know, I remember when this did come out uh, and I, I was just like uh, aghast. I could not believe that this actually happened. You have a very high ranking uh, FBI official. I think he was like number three, like in terms of, uh, you know, Comey, then McCabe and then Strzok in terms of like this, this uh, investigation. And guess what? He he tells his lover, who just happens to be an uh, FBI lawyer at the time. Wow, go figure that. Don't worry. We won't let Donald Trump win the election. We're going to make sure he doesn't win the election. How is that possible? How is that? Like, I mean, once again, it's like this is straight out of like a bad movie. This is the kind of movie where I'm like, no, that could never happen. Like, this is so stupid. No, it actually happened. This is this is real life, folks. It's uh, I mean. You're just you're 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 triggering me. (laughs) (laughs) You're getting progressively triggered. Yes, I am. Yeah. I mean, Jim, the the craziest thing and and Chris is kind of alluding to this uh, about this story is the amount of gaslighting and just trying to, like, obscure this story. Chris and I were reading through a Washington Post article because it was literally one of the first things that popped up when you like try to keyword search this story. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, an article written by one of our favorite authors at the Washington Post, Philip Bump, who is basically trying to explain away, oh, the, the real context of this was just had to do with the speed at which they wanted to investigate the the Trump-Russia connections as to not squander any intelligence contacts. And, and other people that, that, that I've seen commenting on this are like, oh, no, this whole insurance policy thing was taken was was taken out of context. And it's like, no, it's you guys that are taking it out of context. Uh, mm-hmm. That article that we read, the entire article, me and Chris sitting at my desk, read through the entire article, did not mention any of the other text exchange between these two characters. And you have to look at those uh, to put it in the proper context. So there was uh, a bunch of these texts going back and forth, referring to Trump as an idiot, uh, calling him other names. And one of the other ones, one of my favorites, was uh, Lisa Page texting to Peter Strzok saying, Trump's not ever going to become president, right? Right? Question mark, exclamation mark. Uh, to which Strzok responds, no, no, he won't. We'll stop it. That's the context. That is the context that this insurance policy stuff was was discussed. This is all the context that you need to kind of know the mindset of these people that are in charge of this investigation that we're uh, expecting to be completely objective in the handling of all of this investigation and all of that. It's all BS. 
But yeah, no, no, it's us that are taking it out of context. What are your thoughts on this, Jim? Donnie, 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 Donnie. <laughs> Am I getting triggered too? <laughs> well, both you guys, come on. The, the weaponization of, of our law enforcement agencies against political opponents, that's a conspiracy theory. Yeah. You know, I know Chris knows this because we we make him watch CNN so we don't have to. And <laughs> so the true. CNN truth is that the idea that um you know that the FBI is weaponized against non-leftists um in in America is a conspiracy theory. I, those were just innocent texts, Donnie. You know, they didn't really mean it. Um they were just joking around. See, it's it's not a big deal. Uh <laughs> Yeah, that, that was one of my favorites. I mean, just, just the idea that, you know, high-level intelligence agents in the FBI are um, secretly, this is like something out of a, a bad movie. A bad you know, movie. Having an affair, and, and part of their pillow talk is talking about how they'll, they'll do what they can to prevent that orange man from becoming president because he's such a, I mean, for Christ's sake, guys, have you seen his tweets? I mean, <laughs> for real. I mean, he cannot be president. Are you kidding me? Uh you know, just that this is an insurance policy. Don't worry. We'll figure something out to make sure that he doesn't get uh, to be president. I mean, uh, I guess I should be a little concerned that our intelligence uh, agents in our, FB, in our FBI are so incompetent that they were unable to stop Donald Trump from taking office. Um, you know, they really should have tried a little harder. I think that's what's really clear in all this evidence that we're laying out here is that uh, the insurance policy didn't, uh, you know, they didn't cash in on it. Uh, he became well, president. And so, you know, I, I hope if they're actually targeting foreign agents that we need to stop from destroying America, that they'll do a little better job than they did against one Donald Trump. This you mentioned, it's like a bad movie. <laughs> like if, if, if like the Daily Wire or something like that, some conservative uh, outlet that makes movies from time to time, if they came out with a movie and this was like just completely fiction, wasn't based on, you know, the, the events that we're talking about. And there was like FBI agents that were like sending these texts to each other like, oh, yeah, we're going to stop that evil Republican from being president. Even I would roll my eyes at that because it just seems like such like bad like two-dimensional writing but it's not a bad movie this is real life this is actual facts they testified on this stuff in front of uh different investigations and all of that this is reality that we're in folks and we're supposed to just be like ah it's fine let's just move on and talk about whatever else is going on in the news it's yeah i mean i just i just find it amazing that you know, this isn't considered election interference. You know, members of the FBI figuring out and conspiring a way to stop the president of the United States by framing him and everybody around him for crimes that don't exist. That's not election interference. What's election interference is, uh, you know, $200,000 worth of Facebook ads uh, from a foreign entity, um, you know, supporting Donald Trump. That's election interference. You tweeting something in support of Donald Trump or actually tweeting stories that show the corruption of the deep state or a democratic candidate that's election interference. But, uh, you know, the, the head of the CIA, uh, trying to frame again, innocent Americans who did nothing wrong for crimes they didn't commit. That's not election interference. So we, we live in a very bizarre world. And again, as we are approaching yet another presidential election again, with Donald Trump on the ballot, I think it's important that we go over this, because the more the more we go over this stuff, guys, the more I find it a, a miraculous thing that he was elected. I mean, they, we, all the efforts to take him out, and he was and the the American people still had their will uh, ratified, and he was able to take office. I find that 
Yeah. Of all the right. pessimism I have about this country, sometimes I find that actually a little bit of a ray of hope. You know, yeah, you, you know, know, just Tony, real quick. This all, I also think this uh, helps uh, explain, you know, their their ire when he was elected because it was like, oh my gosh, even despite all this stuff, he still won. But I think it also, you know, goes to show that they will leave no stone unturned in 2024, which we've shown. I mean, they are just bringing the kitchen sink against him. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's, it's almost like 2016 was like more tactical. And now it's just like, they're just like, you know, taking the, the they're just like taking the, the tank and just like yeah, go, rolling, ro rolling through the street with it, you know, like, like just no holds barred now. Oh, we'll get to know? that. Yeah. We'll I mean, we, just one last thing. I mean, we have to remember when he was elected, we had people like Rachel Maddow, who's been now a featured player on this podcast today, um, you know, saying that he is obviously a paid Russian agent in the White House as president of the United States, that he was an agent of Putin. And that message was carried out through um, all over the corporate uh, left-wing oh, yeah. media. And, uh, you know, it, it never stopped. So that, that is, of course, absurd. None of that was true. But, you know, the people on the left that control so much of our society, both government and in corporate media, have no, have no uh, moral qualms about, I you know, doing that to the doing that to America, to their own country. Yeah. Disgusting. Yeah. You know, I, I actually had this idea, you know, we work with Rasmussen and do polling. I had this idea for a poll a while back to just like kind of gauge the staying power of like fake news, even after it's been completely shredded and shown to be whatever. And I would love to do a poll and have one of the questions uh, be like, who still believes this? Who still believes that Trump is some, like, Russian asset and all of that? After all the investigations, after, you know, all the different things, all the dust is, dust is settled, like, what percent of the population still believes that, despite everything that's come out? I, I would really like to know that, but that's just a side note. All right, so let's move on here. So we all know the story. Despite all the stuff, uh, Trump still won the presidency due to some sort of miracle. I was going to describe it as a miracle too, Jim. You said miraculous, you know. But uh, in response to Trump winning, uh, you're skipping ahead there. Um, in response, the deep state goes into the second phase of all of this undermining of the Trump presidency. So we've got phase six. The takedown of Michael Flynn. So after Trump took office, it seemed like the intelligence community took every opportunity to undermine the Trump administration. One of the more high profile cases related to Michael Flynn, who was a part of the campaign, but was appointed as national security advisor. Chris, walk us through the takedown of Michael Flynn. I think this is probably the most egregious out of everything. Because uh, after Donald Trump, you know, was elected uh, during the uh, transition period, he named some of his, uh, you know, cabinet officials, one of them being uh, the NSA National Security Advisor, Michael Flynn, who was a decorated general, you know, great guy, you know, served overseas uh, uh, in Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, and what happened was he during the transition period, because, you know, there's only a couple of months in the transition period and it's it, it, it's completely fine for the next uh, incoming administration to set up relationships with their foreign partners. So he contacted his Russian uh, his Russian counterpart um, and they discussed things. OK, that's fine. He's totally allowed to do that. Because it's not that he, you know, cannot have any sort of contact with people that he is going to be working with, you know, once Donald Trump actually entered the uh, Oval Office. 
But because Michael Flynn was, I would say, a renegade of sorts and a maverick, the intelligence agencies that we've been talking about so much on this uh, episode were very worried that, oh, no, this guy, he might uncover all this stuff that we've done. So what did they do? They took him down. And what they did was the FBI uh, sent uh, James Comey sent in a couple officials uh, like two days, like after the uh, transition actually took place. So this was like January 23rd or something like that. So, I mean, this is like super early on, you know, like people are still like moving into their offices and that kind of stuff. And they caught him in the most white of all white lies. I, if, if I remember correctly, it was a, a, a date was wrong. Something so innocuous something so stupid, so, so meaningless. They ended up <clears throat> dragging him through, through the courts. He obviously had to resign as NSA, National Security Advisor. He went bankrupt. They even went after his son, who I do believe also served in the military and was in, in, in involved in, I don't think he was actual on the Trump transition team, but, but they, they went after him. So it was, you know, we're going to go after your family members too, if you don't play ball with us. And uh, what when that ended up happening was Michael Flynn uh, had to resign his position as NSA and they you know replaced him with Trump replaced him with someone else. And uh, Michael Flynn's life has basically been ruined because of this. Yeah, I mean, Jim, this uh, this is one of those things where it's just like kind of the optics is like more important than the facts where it's like. You know, Michael Flynn going down for all of this is like proof that there's all this corruption in the Trump campaign and administration and all of that. And it's just like, well, if you want to get into the details of it, and it's it's not really that big of a deal. And it's but you know, again, the headline kind of takes the the center stage. Uh, anything to say about this phase of the of the Trump first deep state saga? No, I think we, we're going to be moving along here, but uh, I do think it's important. Um, in this rundown that we mentioned the Michael Flynn incident. I mean, this guy um, was completely railroaded. As Chris pointed out, he was bankrupted. I believe he even even after he sold his house, he was still bankrupted and they were going after his son. And he only agreed, you know, obviously he was defending himself as an innocent man because he didn't do anything wrong. And he pled guilty um, to charges that were offered to him by the Department of Justice just so just so that his son's life wouldn't be ruined. He was yeah. willing to throw himself um, on the mercy of the court, I suppose, or on his sword just to protect his son, who had obviously nothing to do with anything um, from his life being ruined as well. Uh, it was such an egregious abuse. And of course, he was he made the mistake. He made the mistake of thinking that he lived in regular America. He, he made a mistake to think that he lived in the America that we all imagine exists in our minds. He made the mistake of thinking, I'm a decorated and, and honored American uh, military general. Uh, the, the, the FBI, the, the deep state doesn't exist. I was in the state, guys. I understand how this all works. And he didn't think for a second that when the FBI sends people to ask him just innocuous questions about some of the conversations, uh, completely innocent and uh, legal, obviously, conversations he's having with uh, foreign with people that are not Americans, it, that's apparently a crime now. You can't have any conversations with non-Americans. Um, but certainly, you know, it's appropriate for him to have conversations with his counterpart in Russia, considering, um, you know, that's a country we need to make sure that we're on, uh, we're communicating very well with, you know, it can, just dangerous things could happen. Mm -hmm. But he made the, he made the uh, mistake of, of believing 
that uh, just having a conversation with some FBI agents uh, who just have some innocent questions, they just have a right. few things they want to clear up without an attorney present uh, will be no problem at all. You know, in fact, uh, as a good American, I should actually cooperate here because we do want to make sure the transition uh, goes smoothly. Um, for doing that, for believing he lived in the America of his imagination and not the America of reality, um, his his life was ruined. And um, it's a it's an abject lesson. People are not going to be making that mistake again. Um, I, I often wonder, actually, um, if Trump wins the election in November, one of the things I wonder about is like, will he even be able to fill out a cabinet? Will he mm. be able to staff the White House and the and the uh, you know, uh, you know his branch of government with anybody? It was hard enough uh, the first time around, when you see that anybody who gets close to Trump um, gets viciously attacked. Uh, and have their lives ruined, he's going to have a hard time not just getting the best people that he can get, getting any people to do any of these jobs is going to be a challenge. Yeah, yeah. This is meant to to inflict a chilling effect uh, among would-be uh, Trump cabinet officials. Uh, but Donnie, I I guess we're not going to show the, the clip, but we had a clip with uh, James mm -hmm. Comey after the fact going on with uh, Nicole Wallace, another one of uh, MSNBC's uh, shining stars. And he he bragged, oh, yeah, it was early on. You know, everything was so disorganized. Ha, ha, ha. If it was the Obama administration or the Bush administration, they never would have let us in. They would have made us go through the White House console. Ha, ha, ha. But we just went in there anyways, and we got him. And, he, and you know, like Nicole Wallace has this big, dumb grin on her face, and she's, like, clapping. Once again, if, if she if she was a journalist worth worth anything, she would have said, oh, my God, you just you just admitted that you like set this guy up like right in front of me. Like, what what are you talking about? But no, she was glad handing and, you know, like clapping and so so happy about it. So it's mm -hmm. like the these people are unscrupulous. And not only that, but they go out and they they brag about it after the fact. It's like, wow, these people, they 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 really think that they can get away with anything. But you know why? Because they can. Yeah. And, and throughout the administration, um, basically everyone was targeted. I mean, we're talking about Michael Flynn here, but we could also talk about the Carter Page or Paul Manafort or George Papadopoulos or even Roger Stone had like an entire like military brigade descend yeah. on his house, you know, when he was arrested. So Steve Bannon, anyone that had like. <laughs> Two degrees of separation from from Donald Trump was like on some sort of target list. But all right, let's move on. Let's move on to phase seven of this whole saga here. And that um, is probably one that everyone should recognize. The good old Mueller investigation. Mueller investigation. I think you pronounce it Mueller. It's Bueller. Just kidding. <laughs> That's right. So here is the larger weight that was tied around the neck of the Trump administration throughout most of his well almost most of his first term um uh, back in may of 2017 the department of justice appointed former fbi director robert Mueller to head up an investigation into trump russia collusion the investigation ran from may of 2017 to march of 2019 nearly half of the entire term of president uh for donald trump for this entire period of time, the entire administration was just inundated with investigators just looking for any whiff of anything. And when I mean anything, I mean anything. It doesn't even have to relate to Russia collusion. It was just literally anything that, you know, did you did you make sure to like pay your taxes on time and in full? Like, did do you have a parking ticket like that sort of stuff? And I'm not even exaggerating that much. There are constant stories throughout this entire period of time about potential infractions and 
uh, about issues that were kind of tangential to the to the investigation. One of the things Michael Cohen, Trump's personal attorney, uh, was being, you know, uh, they were looking into like potential tax evasion claims. Not exactly sure how that has to do with Russia collusion, but whatever. There was threatened perjury charges against several individuals associated with the Trump uh, campaign for supposed false statements given to investigators. These are referred to as process crimes. And uh, I mentioned Paul Manafort earlier. I think that that whole thing with Paul Manafort all stemmed from this investigation with the the Mueller report. Um, So, Chris, uh, I remember going through this 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 period of time with the Mueller investigation going on. And it was just exhausting because every week there was some new thing that the media was talking about uh, that supposedly, Oh, they're zeroing in on Trump or some other person associated with the campaign of the administration. And we're constantly as like, you know, the conservative side of the aisle, like having to be like, no, it's not actually that bad. And all. I just remember being exhausted by it. What are your thoughts on all this? Well, this cast a very dark cloud over the first couple of years of Donald Trump's presidency. It, you know, severely handicapped his ability to uh, get policy done. Uh, you also forgot to mention that his uh, children were caught up in this and they were forced to uh, to, you know, go in and, and do days long uh, closed door testimony in just about every single like aspect of their lives. Now, I just want to uh, juxtapose this with how Joe Biden and his, you know, uh, family and his, you know, uh, shoddy dealings are being uh, handled. Look at how look at how much uh, resources were put forth to go and just leave no stone unturned, making sure that every single thing, you know, that they investigated everything to the nth degree. But then when we have all this, this, you know, smoking gun evidence about, you know, the, the Joe Biden, uh, big guy, you know, Chinese firms and Ukraine and all this stuff, Hunter Biden serving, you know, on boards and getting Porsches from Kazakhstan and jewels from China. It's like, there's nothing to see here. Just stop it. You're just like, you're, you're, you're floating, uh, uh, unwarranted conspiracy theories. So to me, one of the biggest things on this is just the, the diametric, uh, opposition is to how they, they treat people who are on one side of the political aisle or people who are aligned with Trump and the Make America Great Again movement and those who aren't. Because I think what Jim said at the very top of this episode explains all of this. They hate Trump. They were scared out of their minds that he would come in and actually make some big necessary changes to how things have been done in Washington, D.C., Call it the deep state, call it the permanent DC, you know, bureaucracy, call it whatever you will. They were, they wanted to make sure that Donald Trump in, in his term was as least uh, successful in, in terms of draining the swamp as possible. And to me, you know what that means in 2024, when I think Donald Trump will win, I think that he's going to go in there and, and just really clean house. So I do think that this is all. I know I see you guys shaking your heads and probably no, know, no, no. Hey, there goes, there goes Mr. There goes Mr. There goes Mr. Rose colored glasses, but fingers crossed. That's all I'm I saying. do. I, 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 I think that this, you know, it, if, if Donald Trump is going to learn from what happened in the past, I think he's going to go in there with a wrecking ball and just, and just, you know, completely destroy these institutions, which have been rotten to the core. Yeah, Jim, I mean, so the the Mueller 
investigation goes on for literally almost two years and then mm-hmm. it ends with the big old fart sound <laughs> nothing <laughs> nothing i think even van jones uh this is when he popularized the term uh you know nothing burger because nothing came out of this so at best if i were to give them the complete benefit of the doubt at best this investigation just amounted to a massive nuisance for the Trump administration, making them look corrupt in, in an attempt to, to lose public appeal or erode away any type of like voter mandate for Trump or anything like that. But at worst, it just seems like they were just hoping to trip some people up and hold certain charges in a way to get other people to testify against other people to just catch the entire administration up in a scandal. That seems yeah. to be the, the, the kind of the worst scenario. I assume you're going to go with the latter of those two options. Yeah. Well, I mean, if there was any justice and common sense in Washington, D.C., Richard Mueller should have been appointed to investigate the FBI and the CIA and all of these uh, actors in the Obama administration who committed obvious and serious crimes against the American people uh, and and, and several Americans in particular with the violation of their of their civil rights, of uh, um, lying to uh, FISA courts, of uh, you know, basically forging warrants um, because they were based on false information. Um, that's where a, a independent counsel should have been uh, directed. Um, not even uh, really uh, John Durham really got into that. There should have been a mandate to appoint and to have justice happen there. And, but instead, we got the Mueller investigation, which, uh, Chris, you would know this because you watch CNN and MSNBC, and I really don't. But I do recall that back in the day that, um, you know, it was Mueller investigation, Mueller investigation. They covered it on every night on Maddow mm-hmm. and all these other shows. And they were so excited. It was going to be Christmas morning uh, when the Mueller report finally came out. And then, you know, uh, after 22 months of investigating, um, they looked for, in two areas, one of them being interference by Russia in the 2020, 2016 presidential election, and then also obstruction of justice by Trump and his uh, and his campaign team. Uh, and then, of course, the special counsel, um, quote, did not find that the Trump campaign or anyone associated with it conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in these efforts, despite multiple efforts from Russian affiliated in, uh, individuals to assist the Trump campaign. Uh, so they basically said Russia did interfere in our election, um, but they didn't coordinate with anybody um, in the Trump campaign, which was the entire point of the investigations to to look at this, <laughs> to, to go through what what. Uh, the abuses of power that our FBI went through, and then to have Mueller and his his army of partisan Trump-hating attorneys to uncover every single rock and look under behind every single tree and look in every single um, shrubbery outside everybody's homes, and to find nothing. You know how bad that is. I mean, they they, they yeah, would have taken they would have taken anything with all the other stuff and all the other lies and all the trumping up of things. Um, it, it must have been, it was so disappointing to the likes of Rachel Maddow and Chris Hayes and and uh, um, Nicole Wallace over at uh, the corporate media to have nothing. And uh, so that was actually one of the, the one of the happiest times <laughs> that I had watching uh, any of those networks because they didn't have anything to go with it. But then, you know, the other the other aspect was was so-called obstruction of justice, which was um, one of the counts against him, tying it back to um, uh, to Michael Flynn. Donald Trump asked uh, again the snake that is James Comey 
he told him, you know, hey, you know, why don't you just stop this investigation into into my national security advisor? You know, he, I'm sure he just misremembered. It's not a big deal. Um, you know, the fact that he supposedly misrepresented a phone call to the vice president. That was a, remember that that was a huge deal. That was supposed to be in fact, That's why he resigned. It was it was because of that. Oh, I'm sorry. I kind of misled the vice president. Big deal. Who cares? He's Mike Pence. You know, <laughs> it's it's not a it's not a federal offense to uh you know to to maybe not tell all, the whole truth by on purpose or by accident to the vice president of the United States for crying out loud. But they made a big deal about that. But there was no real obstruction of justice either. But you know they used to crow that you guys remember uh, Paul Manafort. You know, yet mm -hmm. another person whose life was ruined because he got uh, too close to Donald Trump. Um, that's about the only thing that they could they could hang a hat on was the idea that they got Manafort indicted. Um, and what did they get him on? Basically um, tax stuff. And it was, he didn't, I've found it here before. Oh yeah. Manafort generated tens of millions of dollars in income as a result of his work in, wait for it, Ukraine. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. From approximately 2006 through the present, uh, Manafort and his partner engaged in a scheme to hide income from the United States authorities while enjoying the use of the money. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? Ukraine, you know, uh, get somebody else tripped up again. Oh, as long as they're not a Biden, and then it's all fine. But uh, Ukraine just seems to be somehow involved in so many things that are happening in the United States that it's just weird. Dying, yeah, dying, no. Well, just real quick. Uh, this also, you know, goes to show that they spent uh, hundreds of millions of dollars. They had a bunch of agents on this. This was a very vast undertaking during that same time. How many crimes did the FBI not uh, investigate, you know, because the FBI, you know, just like the CIA, they have limited resources. So if they're telling their agents, OK, we're going to we're going to, you know, take you off of, uh, you know, sex trafficking or, you know, child, you know, abductions or whatever it is that they, you know, should be actually be investigating, you know, as the FBI, they were more inclined to go and try to, you know, uncover any any process crime on anyone associated or in the Trump orbit. It just that 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 is really, you know, disgusting that the FBI is saying, well, our priority is to try to go after the sitting president of the United States because we just don't like him. Meanwhile, you know, while criminals are, you know, getting away with murder, literally, you know, in cities across this country, eh, we're just not interested in that. I mean, just give me a break. Yeah, it's just like, just imagine, you know, just imagine like, you know, obviously everyone listening to this podcast, nobody's running for president. Maybe you are. I don't know. Maybe I'll vote for you. We'll see. But uh, just imagine in your case, if like the law enforcement in your locality was just all of a sudden, just like decided that they were going to investigate you for, you know, you name it. Well, child abuse or something like that. Not because of anything, uh, you know, like we could go all the way back to phase one of this. Just make it up out of whole cloth. We're going to investigate you for years when it comes to child abuse. And we're going to investigate everyone that has any relationship with you for, uh, for uh, you know, alleged child abuse. And then we're going to cover it on all social media, everything that relates to you and this potential child abuse for years. Like, I feel like there's got to be like some claim of damages or something like that after all of it comes out and there's nothing at the end of all of this investigation and all of these allegations, all of that nothing surfaces with you and child abuse like isn't there some like room for damages i i, I get it, he's like a public uh figure and all of that and but like man it's just it's just preposterous that this was allowed to go on for so long forget it donnie you're out of your element
Tony, if we had an honest, if we had an honest media, you know what they would have done? They would have said, "This is all, you know, this is all superfluous. This is all un, you know, there's there's, there's no, sure. there's nothing behind all this stuff." But they went the opposite. They they like you know, like you guys were saying earlier, CNN and MSNBC, like any any like thing that they could use when the Mueller investigation to uh, make the Trump you know team look bad, they of course did it. So so they go out of their way. To try to uh, you know make the evidence uh, look worse than it is if it's in relation to anyone you know to do with Donald Trump, but then when you've got all this you know ample evidence like staring you right in the face with uh, you know the Bidens, it's like no, actually don't believe what you're seeing in front of your eyes. It's not true. So right. th- th- that that to me is that that shows malice. That shows like malintent. That shows you know a lot of that shows what their real objective is. Yeah, no doubt. Um, let's get to the last one here. So uh, phase eight of all of this, the era of lawfare. So um, at the end of the term, uh, you know, and ever since Trump has been the target of modern lawfare. So Trump is facing dozens of charges from several cases across multiple jurisdictions, basically all happening at once. Charges relating to overvaluing his assets to charges related to alleg- uh, uh, alleged insurrection. And it's all been a pretty wild thing to witness. And we can probably go even further back uh, into just like the accusations of, um, you know, uh, all the stuff that they were trying to raise when it, when it came to like impeachment and all of that. It's just been one thing after the other. But Jim, uh, it was your idea to include this uh, aspect into the discussion. So I'm going to lead off with you on, on this one. What, what are your Well, I was reading this morning that uh, Trump has reportedly racked up no less than $500 million in attorney's fees. Let that sink. $500 million in attorney's fees. And I think he was, I think, all told in all of the uh, several jurisdictions that are going after him. Uh, I think that there's 91 criminal counts against him um, and he's fighting, uh, fighting everywhere. Uh, with, happily, it looks like corruption, shock, corruption in the uh, district attorney's office in Fulton County, Georgia, in Atlanta, um, looks like it's going to make that whole case of him conspiring to steal the election uh, fall apart. So uh, that's that's some good news on the justice front. But, uh, you know, the thing that really kind of triggers me about this and a lot of the listeners and viewers of this uh, podcast have probably seen it, is the they couldn't bring criminal charges against Donald Trump. So they cooked up a civil fraud case in which he allegedly overvalued his properties that he used as collateral to take out loans. And uh, that somehow is a is a grievous crime. Not not as not not really a crime because they didn't charge him in the criminal statute, but it was a civil, uh, you know, they'll, they'll charge him civilly for it. Uh, which had never been done before um, uh, for, and then he paid back his loans. The banks actually made money on the deals. Uh, the banks actually uh, urged the, <laughs> the uh, Letitia James, uh, the attorney general of the state of New York to not pursue this um, because that would be really bad for business. And also we were not harmed. Nothing bad happened here. And this is just the, you know, one case of this lawfare against, against Donald Trump Uh you know, you, you would remember that the judge um, basically is a Trump-hating judge. He seemed to take glee in uh, the fact that he was appointed to handle this case. And he issued, um, it was his judgment and his alone, apparently, 
that Mar-a-Lago, a what is it, 43-acre compound on the on the beach in one of the most priciest real estate areas in the United States is worth only $18 million. And that he overvalued it by saying it was worth, you know, what was it, 300 million or something like that. Uh, you know, randos on Twitter would immediately just go to just go to Zillow.com and look up a condo near Mar-a-Lago and uh, a condo would be like $2 million. You're telling me that that the palatial uh, Mar-a-Lago compound is only worth $18 million, as somebody uh, joked on Twitter. The furniture in his house is worth more than $18 million. But, you know, we have corrupt, we have a corrupt justice system in which uh, they will trump up any charge at all to ruin Donald Trump. I mean, to me, this is really kind of, with all the other stuff we've already gone over today, you know, this contemporary things that are happening right now uh, are some of the most egregious attacks um, because it's using... It's abusing the legal system um, to to politically, financially, and personally ruin an enemy of the state. And this is not something that should be happening in the United States. But, you know, he was ordered to pay, th and this is the thing that's, again, people probably know this, he was ordered to pay $355 million in penalties. And if he wanted to, if he wants to appeal it, which he obviously should, um, he would have to still post that actually $400 million in order to file an appeal, which is should be unconstitutional, but the judge just imposes that. And they also charge interest. So he's been hit with the $355 million penalty. And every single day that goes by that he doesn't cut that check and just give it to them, which he actually admitted today he cannot do because although he's wealthy, all of his wealth is, is most of his wealth is, is, is in real estate. He does, you know, he's not Scrooge, Scrooge McDuck, you know, sitting around uh, throwing uh, gold coins in the air. Um, but every day he doesn't pay that judgment, he's charged $112,000 of interest. And this is considered justice in this country. Mm -hmm. The Attorney General of New York actually campaigns on, I'm going to get Trump. Uh, and gets elected and then, well, she's keeping her promise, isn't she? Yeah, I think she's uh, so, been tweeting. I think she's been tweeting the amount of interest that he has to pay. Yeah. Like it's like celebrating it. You know, it's it's like really, really egregious and stuff. And, and yeah, and again, I mean, I'll I'll hand it over to Chris. But you know, again, that's just one example of the way the law is being abused. And um, you know, you have to almost laugh that we, Joe Biden, ran on the idea that you know if you elect me president, um, I'll restore honor and dignity to the White House. We will return to our long um, beloved social and political norms. Yet here we are um, in, in you know, February of 2024, where there are 91 examples, apparently, of the legal system being perverted and abused to get one man, one man who was a threat to the entire deep state, apparently. Uh, Chris, we're 90 minutes long here. Uh, give us your final words on this particular phase or just anything that we've talked about so far. Yeah, well, I think we're going to go a little more than 90 minutes, okay? So everybody <laughs> just bear with it. Okay, so a couple things on uh, Jim's excellent analysis of that. Uh, first of all, the uh, lawsuit brought by Letitia James, guess what? He was declared guilty before, the, before he even entered the courtroom. The entire trial was about how much the, the fine would be. So that's that's American justice for you. Guilty before proven innocent. Wow. OK, so there's that. There's also the Eugene Carroll case. Eighty three million dollars he had to pay. So so far he has been ordered to pay five hundred and fifty million dollars. That's just in terms of the fines. Like Jim said, he's also racked up a humongous amount of legal fees. Do you know what that's intended to do? 
That's intended to make uh, the the campaign uh, war chest that he's been building up all go towards legal stuff. Okay, so that so this is this is actual election interference. Thing. This is election actual election meddling. Jim also mentioned what's going on in Fulton County. Well, Fannie Willis hired her boyfriend, the you know inept uh, uh, you know ambulance chasing lawyer, to go after Donald Trump. Paid him all this money, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of dollars. They went on trips. Blah 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 blah. Guess what also happened? Nathan Wade, who was that ambulance chasing attorney, visited the White House several times. Gee, I wonder what he was doing there. So we now have established that there was a connection between the White House, the Joe Biden uh, Justice Department, saying, Fulton County DA, go after him. Letitia James, yeah, keep up the good work. Keep going with that. Uh, Bragg, Alvin Bragg also brought this you know, bogus lawsuit against him. Yeah, good job. So really what this is about, this is about trying to prevent Donald Trump from campaigning in 2024. We've also got the uh, fact that Illinois, my great state, I'm so proud to be in Illinois. Guess what happened last night? Donald Trump got taken off our primary ballot. So, uh, you know, and March 19th, uh, Illinois voters like myself uh, are going to go to the uh, primary. I hope I can vote for the person who I want to vote for president. You know, the guy who actually was a former president. But no, I guess uh, some judge, some judge said, no, you can't do that. So we're not going to let you do that. Okay. Wow. That's pretty interesting. Uh, the Supreme Court also is uh, going to hear probably pretty soon the whole thing uh, going on with uh, Jack Smith. Remember, Jack Smith is taking the uh, the uh, insurrection, you know, thing against Trump, even though Trump was never charged with insurrection. So it's like, it, you know, th th that whole case is built on a foundation of, you know, House of Cards of nothing. And then to make matters even worse, we have the Florida, the Mar-a-Lago uh, documents investigation. Joe Biden was just let off for having documents going back decades in his house that he gave to his ghostwriter for his book. He was never president at the time, so he could not have used his presidential power to say, I'm going to declassify these. But you know what? Joe Biden's a bumbling old man who's losing his memory and whatever, just, just, we're not going to prosecute him, but we are going to throw the book at Trump. Do you see a pattern here? Do you see a totally two tier justice system? Do you see a government, the most powerful government in the world going after the person who is the, the who is going to be the nominee for the GOP in 2024? I mean, so so just, you know, when you just take a step back and go 30,000 feet and look at this, it's like, wow, 2016, they did all this stuff. You won. OK, then they then they try to make his his term as, you know, as unsuccessful as possible. OK, they kind of did some of that. They impeached him twice over a bogus phone call and some other you know bogus thing of him inciting an insurrection, which, of course, he's never been charged with. Then they said, oh, no, he's going to run again. What can we do now? Let's just uh, level as many lawsuits, frivolous lawsuits as possible, you know, bankrupt him, literally bankrupt him. He has he's he's going bankrupt. He has to sell his uh, his his properties. Maybe he has to sell Trump Tower in New York. You know, it's just th these people will stop at nothing. It's it, it, yeah. It, and, and then, it, you know, that also makes me wonder what's coming. We still got nine months here until election day. Right. Like, what else are they going to have up their sleeve? What, what are they going to pull out come October? Donnie, you know, you and I have been, have been talking about this whole like AI, artificial intelligence, creative videos and stuff. 
uh, who, who knows what they're going to, you know, unpack at the at the last minute if they think that Donald Trump is going to beat Joe Biden. Sure. Because guess what? Right now, if the election were held and it was a free and fair election, unlike 2020, which was not free whoa, and fair. Hey, yeah, yes, <laughs> it's true. I said it. Donald Trump would trounce Joe Biden. So, yeah, you know, to me, this to me, show what a threat Donald Trump, Donald Trump is to this, you know, ruling class that has right. run our country into the ground. Okay. Yeah. This really yeah. just goes to show how pissed off the people are with these people that they're willing to say, we're going to give this guy a shot at it. He's never been in government. He's a successful businessman. We want him to go. And they, they, they took that as a personal insult. No, we cannot let that happen. Well, you yeah. know what? It's going to happen again. So deal with it. Right. Yeah. And, and to me that this, this seems like less, to do with Trump as like a specific person and more to do with anyone in a position to take on the power wielded by like the, you know, the establishment, the ruling elite, the intelligence community, whatever, however you want to deep state, however you want to label it. Like if you want to challenge our claim to power, good luck. You know, we've got six ways from Sunday to deal <laughs> with you. It sends yeah. a signal to all other potential Trumps out there to back off. Like, do you think any other businessman with a desire to to you know return the the, the sanity to like the government uh, system of this country would ever dream of diving into this lion's den after watching what Trump has gone through over this like period of time? It would be unbelievable to think that, like unbelievable to think that. Um, but Jim, final thoughts on any of this, and then we're gonna wrap it up, folks. Yeah, I mean, you know, we kind of talked about this earlier, but, you know, none of the people that have perpetuated the Russian collusion hoax or have committed any of these abuses of power have paid any price for any of this. You know, as they say, if you um, if you want less of something, you need to punish it. And if you want more of something, you can incentivize it. And apparently we're incentivizing um, because orange man bad. Uh, we're incentivizing egregious abuses of power. I mean, our politics have, you know, are maybe irrevocably broken at this point. The nation is very deeply divided. The current president of the United States gives a speech bathed in blood red lights uh, with Marines standing in the background um, at attention, declaring that uh, Donald Trump and all of his supporters, which is half this country, are semi-fascist and a threat to the very soul of our democracy. And this is just considered okay because orange man bad. Um, but yet, you know, it's the deep state, it's Obama, it's Brennan, it's Comey, it's Biden, it's, it's Attorney General Garland and countless others beneath them who use the immense power of the state to destroy Trump personally, financially, and destroy his presidency, destroy everybody around him, imprison his supporters, disbar his attorneys and charge them with crimes. And none of these people who have done any of these egregious abuses of power, that is not the America that we grew up in, that we would ever think this would happen here. None of them have paid a price politically or personally or reputationally or financially uh, within our corrupt institutions. To the contrary, they are feeded as heroes. They are given uh, um, uh, CNN appointments where they get uh, rich to just sit around and, and, uh, and, and commentate. They're given awards and book deals and cushy positions. And these are the very same people who say that uh, they are the ones who will restore our political and our cultural norms. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, but if these people remain unpunished for their abuse of power, we're just going to get more abuses of power because the incentives are reversed. 
you should be punishing these people. Instead, we are rewarding them. So uh, the corruption of the deep state and the power of the deep state uh, is probably bigger than we even imagined because we can see the results and uh, where the incentive structures really are. Donnie, three words, lock them up. You're muted. You're muted. You finally did it. You finally uh, did it, Donald. I, I was, I've been asking for that for so long. Anyways, we, uh, we, we wanted to do an abridged um, history, like I said, because doing a completely comprehensive history of all of this stuff would have taken a 12-part series, no doubt. <laughs> Even with that in mind, we are just now about to hit the 100-minute mark, an hour and 40 minutes, easily a record uh, for the length of one of our episodes. So, but we also wanted to make sure to like hit all of the highlights of all of the stuff. We want this episode to be one that you can share, uh, that, that you can kind of, anyone that like needs to be made aware of all of the stuff that went on behind the scenes, not behind the scenes in front of all of our faces to remind people what this system looks like and everything. We wanted this episode to stand as an evergreen kind of testament of all of this sort of stuff that you can share around. Um, in the show notes of this, I have it all broken down into the different eight phases of all of this with links to each one of these things. So let this episode be a resource of all of the deep state machinations that occurred during the election of 2016 and into the Trump uh, administration, uh, his his first term. But um, gentlemen, I think I think that is going to do it for the show. I would ask for any last words, but I fear <laughs> that you will have some and make this episode even longer. So I'm not going to ask that. I will just go ahead and thank everyone for joining us for this episode of the In the Tank podcast. Join us every Thursday at noon Central Time, where we are live streaming this on Facebook and rumble and x and youtube and you can join the conversation throw your comments and questions in the chat maybe we'll show your comments on the screen maybe we'll address your questions on the fly super chat functionality is enabled if you want to support that show that way you could also support the show just by uh, if you're an audio only listener and leaving a review for us on itunes would be greatly appreciated if you are watching us hitting that like button sharing this content subscribing if you haven't already or just leaving a comment under the video all helps break through those big tech algorithms and prevent content like this from being shown to more people if you'd like, you can follow us on X at In the Tank Pod, or you can send us your comments, suggestions, or questions to the show by emailing us at In the Tank Podcast at gmail.com. Jim Lakely, where can the fine people find you? At Jay Lakely on Twitter, at Heartland Inst on Twitter, and visit heartland.org. Fantastic. Chris Talgo, what do you have to pitch today? Heartland.org, stoplingsocialism.com. Lots of great content up there. Fantastic. All right. Thank you all for tuning in. We will talk to you next week.